Hi, my name is Stephen Williams. I'm David Nishatz. And welcome to the Worst of the Best podcast. We are going to uncover, analyze, and delve into the worst songs of best songwriters of all time. Why do great songwriters write bad songs? Ego? Pressure? From labels or fans? Drugs? The 80s? 80s drugs? Well, I'll tell you this. Between our first and second episodes, there's definitely the 80s are involved and probably a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't there, but I'm imagining there's some drugs involved. With that being said, we're going to try to be as objective as possible. As possible. Mm -hmm. Measured. We don't want to talk about overplayed songs here. There's some um, great songs that are overplayed, and that's not the and that's not the song's fault. It's not the song's fault for being great. It's Hot 97's fault. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing bad songs here. We, we I, sorry, we're not doing uh, just overplayed songs. We're just gonna do or songs we don't like for a relationship reason. Like, ah, oh, I can't listen to that because oh, Mar- yeah. Mar- Miranda broke my heart. Yeah, well, well, when Miranda broke your heart, everybody suffered from that. Yeah. Um, Miranda! <laughs> um, and we're not just talking about bad songs in general. We're, we're, you know, some, we're not talking about one-hit wonders. Two-hit two wonders. wonders. They, they, was, they don't make the cut here, okay? Or three-hit wonders, the guess who. Three-hit wonders, the guess who are fine, okay? <laughs> we're going for the heavy hitters. Heavy the, hitters here. The Mount, Mount Rushmore types. The Mount Rushmore types. But yes, these songs are, are written by the greats. We are not here, David. I know you might be here to hate on artists. Oh, I'm not here to hate on okay. artists. Thank God, because I thought you might have been here to hate on artists. We're not here to hate on artists. We love these musicians. Um, we, we. That's why we're we're talking about this. That's why we've delved so deep into their catalog. We're delving here. <laughs> we're, we're, um, we're a couple of delvers. And I think that a lot of, I mean, the majority of the artists that we're going to talk about in uh, in this podcast are pretty much perfect. Yeah. Virtually um, unimpeachable. Their catalog is fantastic. Minus one or two songs, maybe maybe they get a bad album. Maybe they sneak a bad album in there. But, you know, if if we can just erase this from their canon, then then it's perfect. Right? Yeah. Okay? So we just have, uh, we got to talk about these songs, though. Why does a, why does a great, great artist write a bad song? Um, but we are here to support the artist here, um, and we have their back here as, as best as possible so we, we've come up with a few parameters um, in order to do so best of the worst rule number one no posthumous releases or demos or previously unreleased songs if the artist him or herself didn't sign off on it then for the sake of this podcast it doesn't exist it is not canon I agree number two we're not doing avant-garde songs here like uh, revolution number nine by the Beatles that's just uh, it's noise, and it's not. It doesn't fit in with the uh, verse-chorus format, songwriting format. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, exist here. I'm also okay. going to strike "Wild Honey Pie" from the Beatles off of it. Yeah, course. strike that one off. Also, it's been I mean, stricken. Yeah, that also might go into uh, our third rule, <laughs> which is no intros, outros, uh, interludes, or overtures. These like little one or reprises or reprises, <laughs> those one or two minute songs that show up on albums. Maybe it's a, like a, a talking thing set to music. I don't know why did that, that happens a lot of times. 
Yeah. I will say I do have a uh, Gmail document of songs that are that are too good and too short. Uh-huh. And there's a one-minute song that is perfect by Iron and Wine called uh, Die. Really? That is That I wish was three and a half minutes and I can enjoy more, but I just yeah. have to play it more. Um, last, last but not least... No holiday songs. No Flag Day, no Arbor Day, no International Kitten Day songs. President's Day is right out of the window. Yeah. Um, no holiday songs. I don't hate holiday songs, but a lot of people do. Yeah, we're just... I mean, I feel like there's more to a holiday song. I feel like there's there's a preconceived thing that's going on there. You're writing in a box. Yeah. And uh, that's why I feel like they should be... Uh, eliminated from this yeah. here podcast. <clears throat> uh, Joni Rituals River does not count as a holiday song. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Steve brought us on to the table last time, Too Much Blood by the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. and we've erased it. We've stricken it from the canon of Rolling yeah. Stones. I am bringing to episode two a little ditty called Friday Night by Roy Orbison. Flow album. Yes. His uh, last uh, release of original material while he was still alive. Right. Uh, came out in 1979. Right. And uh, you definitely have not listened to this album. No. <laughs> I am, I, I'm the only, I'm definitely the only person I know that has ever listened to this album. Right. Now. And I've uh, met, and, I, and I've met people. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I and I bring it up in conversation every time. Yeah, he's got a lot of friends. Um, now, there a little bit of drama happened with this song, but before we get into that, let's talk about how amazing Roy Orbison is. Roy Orbison <clears throat> is uh, from... he. I can't even describe my love for Roy Orbison. He, he runs so deep within... I'm, I feel like I'm tearing up just thinking about. Yeah. Uh, Roy, like you can see, like how my eyes getting glassy he's getting, a little he's, bit. He's, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, I love Roy Orbison to to death. I love him so goddamn the, much. The, I mean, the voice. His vibrato. <clears throat> he's got probably the best. If George Jones is known as the best voice of honky tonk music. Roy Orbison is the best voice, is the, the single greatest voice I'm tearing in rock up and roll. watching you tear up right Rock now. and roll history. I agree. I think I, uh, Elvis was uh, said that he was the only person that, that he was worried about. Like, it gave him yeah. a run for his money uh, at the time. Oh, after coming back from the Army, coming that's right. Coming back from the Army, he was scared shitless of Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison's fir- toured with the Beatles in 1963, and... The Beatles didn't know who Roy Orbison was, mm-hmm. but the but Europe did, and what Roy Orbison did? did ten encores opening for the Beatles. He was opening for the Beatles. He was opening for the. That's Beatles. what I wasn't sure about because I was looking this yeah. up and I found the same thing, and yeah, Roy Orbison was opening the Beatles in England, yes. in the UK, yes, right, and uh, the Beatles didn't know who he was. The Beatles were not, or they they basically didn't know who he was. Like that was the whole thing, yeah. And 
he did 10 encores opening for the Beatles, and John Lennon and Paul McCartney had to restrain Roy Orbison for going for, on for, for, going for, going for an 11th encore. <laughs> wow. This is, and that is, that's, it's, yeah. it's record. It is yeah. a matter of public record. That's public point. record, yes. And, uh, but that's how good he was. And I think they, but I think they patched things up. Oh, yeah. Eventually, they realized, well, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, the mutual respect became very apparent, but, yeah. uh, I mean, the Beatles were more into like fucking skiffle music and stuff. They, I don't think they realized the whole, yeah. the full spectrum of it. Because they were in Berlin for a lot of time. Maybe Roy Orbison didn't have the reach. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't think they realized uh, the the scope in which he was appreciated. Um, and the songs that I mean, Pretty Woman is probably the. <laughs> yeah, that growl. How does he do that? I don't, I don't know. You did did it. That's not how he does it. <laughs> it's from the back of the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Pretty Woman was huge. I mean, everything that the guy crying did, in dreams, only the lonely. Um, yeah, I've been incredible songs. Blue by you. Just build, and his voice, it, like it's not a. He doesn't doesn't even do falsetto. It's just his full voice. Uh, amazing crescendos that he does in his songs are incredible. That nobody sings like him. Nobody matched him. Nobody ever followed him. Nobody could do that. He was, and he was a complete mystery. Complete mystery. He stood there in in a in a black suit. With black sunglasses, black hair. I thought he was blind up until like two years ago. I thought he was blind too. I think most people did, but he yeah. wasn't. He just was up there, shy, looking cool. And he, but I think that was also part of his uh, stage thing is that he didn't, he didn't move on. No, stage. he stood still. He stood and just still. Delivered. Yeah. Stood and delivered, starring Edward James Olmos. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he is a true. Uh, on my Mount Rushmore, he is he is one of the four faces etched in rock. Yeah, I love him so much. He's the he the his his album his cassette I played so much uh, during my childhood, like all through high school, on my mom's tape deck. Mm. And I uh, like in two thousand and I came back. I've I've lived in New York for seven years. I came back and played one of the uh, I played the cassette again. And it was so old and so worn out that it finally died. Like, I played yeah. it up until it's... The first time I played it in 10 years, it warped and it gave me a... It was disturbed, truly disturbed me because he sounded like... Uh, yeah. Uh, unho- so unholy. <laughs> which, is a, which is a beautiful thing, but unfortunately the kids these days don't understand yeah. these things that uh, actually your vinyls yeah. and your cassettes have a... Have a a shelf life, right? Yeah. They, you can only listen to them so yeah, many acetate times. You can actually so far. destroy music back then, and then it wasn't there. You had to go out and buy it again. Um, Running Scared is another amazing oh, yeah. Roy Orbison oh, song my God. that uh, just builds to this this incredible thing uh, where he hits these notes that are just out of this world. So sure
undying love for Orbison, and he's the whole reason I, I mean, I know, like, the RCA logo because of Roy Orbison. Like, it's, like, it's something that's, like, etched oh, that's in my cool, head. Yeah. Like, the little yeah. dog with the, yeah. the, the gramophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I, boy, do I love him. Uh, however, um, this, the song that, um, this, uh, this whole album is bad. I, I will... The Laminar Flow. Laminar Flow, um, 1979. 1979. He released a few albums in this... A couple out. This might have been the third album of the 70s that he released. And none of them sold more than a handful. Uh, Regeneration preceded this one, and it's pretty lackluster, too. Uh, although the pro- I will say the production is better than it is on this. A Friday Night is it's, it's a very curious song because... It's once you see the album cover of Laminar Flow, <laughs> and uh, the album, yeah, and Laminar Flow is like a like a fluid uh, a term of like fluid dynamics, I believe that uh, is used in uh, uh, the way air flows over a car or jet stream. I could be wrong about this, but it also um, it's like when a a, uh, like a like like flowing water looks still like out of a hose give because it's like um the hole in which it flows out of is like closed slightly so it, like it just looks absolutely still and you can like run your hand through it and it breaks the flow for like but a but a millisecond but it goes right back to looking still that's laminar flow that's and that's laminar flow which um I, I, I don't know why maybe because it's so smooth and and when you look at this album cover, I mean, Steve, I'm, I'll show you the album cover right now. What do you think when you see this? I see um, whatever the opposite of smooth is. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Roy Orbison standing with his hands gently touching his hips with a leather jacket on, uh, which, I mean, you're supposed to have heavage, right? But there's no chest yeah. hair whatsoever. Uh, Roy Orbison is wearing his his, sh- his sleeves are bunched up. He's got like these. It's making his jacket give him like enormous shoulders. Yeah, it, it looks, looks like really a like a Snow White uh, shoulder on yeah. his, on a blouse. Um, his yeah, he's got he's he's no shirt underneath his jacket. It's pushed up. He's wearing a weird bracelet on his right hand and a and a Timex on his left. <laughs> uh, it's not even. His left elbow's fully exposed, like they fucked up the buttons on his jacket, and they just let it happen. Yeah. Like, this looks so Doesn't fucking look bad. Uh, and that's like, I listened to this album uh, before I, before we even, before Steve approached me for the idea of this podcast. Yeah. Because I, I was like, I've never listened to this Roy Orbison album. I, I need to. Spotify had all the albums on there. This is like a year, years ago. I was like, I have to listen to this, and it's it, it was so truly bad, and it was as bad as the album cover looked. Yeah, it's a bad record. It's a re- very bad record. So yeah, like uh, Dave mentioned before, it's it's the last album that he released as a solo artist. There was yeah. the Traveling Wilburys, which happened right before he passed, um, and original materials released posthumously. Including the uh, Danzig penned song "Life Fades Away," which I highly recommend. Wait, Danzig wrote a song for Roy Orbison? Yeah, 
Glenn Danzig wrote a song. They were like friends, I guess. Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig. I thought you meant Mike Danzig. Um, Barry Danzig's brother? <laughs> yeah, the very same. Um, okay, but Glenn Danzig wrote us. Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, really I like highly that. recommend that to okay. listeners. This was the uh, 21st album that he did for mm-hmm. Mus- Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals. Uh, this is the uh, the least the the, sol- the most soulless album of of, of, of that the ever came out of Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals career. Yeah. Jesus. And um, Chris Ivy of the Muscle Shoals rhythm section co-produced this with. Um, he who must not be named, right, <laughs> and will not be named. Maybe it's, that's more appropriate. But I singled out Friday night because it was a song. It's a song that Roy Orbison doesn't even sing on. He barely sings on it. He's like whispering <clears throat> half the time, and it's very creepy. Do you have the the lyrics? Up? I got the lyrics up. It, like it starts off. He just says Friday night, Friday night, Friday night, Friday night. <laughs> Well, I was driving in my car with 14 women after me. <laughs> Down Fifth Avenue, a Friday night, it just had to be. Okay, stop right there. That's not how people talk. Okay, but hold on, what did he say there? He said, I'm driving in my car with 14 women after me. What does that mean? Is there a cavalcade That's how you're opening of women? up the song. Yeah. That, like, as a songwriter, okay, this is how my song, this is how we're going to paint the picture. I'm driving in my car with 14 women after me? 14 women. 14. Why does it have to be 14 women? That's a great That's a question. Lot of women. That's too many women. He's he's running away. He, he's trying to get away from 14. Did he just rob a specific fem- uh, like an only female-owned bank? Like, how, I don't know how you get 14 women chasing after you in your know. car. Uh, but he's going down, down Fifth Avenue. He's going down Fifth Avenue. Oh, maybe he just stole everyone's purses from Saks. Maybe. He, maybe it's the maybe it's that Fifth Avenue. Um, but it's a Friday night, and it just had to be. It just, a Friday night, it just had to be. He had to really, uh, he didn't write the song. I know, I don't think he wrote this song. Uh, well, I think he wrote this song. Well, I believe he did. All right, fine. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're talking about it. Now, uh, second verse. She was standing on the corner, thumbing her ride. I said, hoppin' baby, scoot closer by my side. Oh, man. This no. is rudimentary. These are, these are uh, Cro-Magnon lyrics. This is bad because um, he's picked up a hitchhiker. It happened in the 70s. I mean, maybe that was a thing that people did. They picked up hitchhikers, but these fourteen women that, that were, were that he's getting away from. They none of them had what he wanted, but the woman on the corner that was hitchhiking. He was like hopping baby. Well, what's but another? What's what's don't, what's I'm a not just gonna, to fourteen? Not gonna you know, just, he's like, I'll just add. You know, if it goes south. <laughs> I'm not just gonna give you a ride. I'm gonna let you sit right next to me. We're, you're not gonna sit in the back seat. Yeah, you're also not gonna know. sit. Don't put your elbow on the window, like on the elbow rest in the passenger side. You're sitting. You're sitting with a stick shift in between your legs. 
Roy goes on to say, um, Honey, let's go riding. Honey, let's go riding. You look so exciting. Where have you been hiding, girl? Yeah. She's Where hiding in plain sight, I she's guess. She's been hiding in plain sight on that corner there. Thumb in a ride. Okay. That's uh, the closest to singing he gets is that part, too. Right. And then the chorus again. Friday night, feeling tight. Who's feeling tight? Uh, and tight in the parlance of the late 70s, I believe, meant uh, uh, tense and, like, not giving. Maybe strapped for cash. Yeah, maybe and strapped for cash is also, yeah. Hmm. Curious. Friday night, think she might. Friday night, Friday night. There's no telling what you'll find. Cruising, Cruising on, on a Friday, Friday night. night. It's very creepy. This whole song is very creepy. It's not... Roy Orbison's wife had died at this point. Okay. Uh, I think she'd been dead maybe 10 years. Because um, they... Like a, like a love at first sight thing. They She went on tour. They got married. Then he went on tour. She cheated on him with the person that built their dream house. Oh, my God. Uh, Roy Orbison... Uh, they get a divorce. He comes back. They get a divorce from his like Europe, like his Beatles tour. I think even like it's like that early. Yeah. But uh, they but they try to keep it together. They get divorced. They remarry. And then it's and then they get in a car accident and she dies. My goodness, what a terrible story. So this is single Orbison trying to mix it up in the this world. This is cl- yeah okay. I think he's like going for like a cool single guy vibe, which is this. Th- this might be the real Roy Orbison. Like he's a, he's a man of mystery. Like uh, up until uh, the late set, like like his whole career is a man of mystery. But this is like all right, I'm putting myself out there. You think he's revealing himself at this point? Uh, yeah, maybe. Let's just finish. I, mean, this. I don't know. Yeah, finish. This. Let's finish these lyrics up just to see. Maybe maybe he'll reveal something to us. Today yeah. here, um, oh God, I doubt it. But here we go. Uh, she didn't say a word. She just kept those big blue eyes on me. I wondered what she could be thinking as she put her little hand on my knee. Okay. <laughs> um. So he's invited a. At this point, he's invited a woman into his car. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A hitchhiker. Yes. She hasn't said a single word. She has piercing blue eyes just staring at him. And she hasn't blinked, like an unblinking gaze. <laughs> and then she, he's, and uh, I'm assuming he's um, navigating traffic at this point. Maybe, then, yeah. I mean, maybe he has a driver. I mean, I, I'm. Well, he's the one cruising. It feels like. That's true, I yeah. Like I don't think it's. If I'm Cool Roy in my leather jacket pushed up, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. With not one ounce of chest hair. No. Um, and he's, and, but the, why does she have little hands? I know. It's the, it's the weird infantilization <laughs> of women that was just okay Maybe I'm just reading like too much into, the, maybe we'll just get, let that one yeah. slide. Um, okay. But so, she hasn't said a single word and just, he's okay with this. She, she won't speak. Um, 
I took another sip of malted brew. <laughs> I'm gonna take another sip of yeah, malted brew. Yeah, same. Hey, cheers. cheers. Cheers, that was delicious. Yeah. Um, and Good then, malted brew, my guy. What a malted brew that was. Oh, boy. Malted brew, the unofficial sponsor <laughs> of the worst, <laughs> of, the of, the worst best. of the best podcast. Okay. Um, so I took another sip of malted brew, and then I looked in her eyes, and as I sank into her baby blues, I thought, my oh my. Fuck. Okay, so we've gotten nowhere. We've gotten absolutely nowhere in this story. Five seconds have happened. They're just staring at each other, drinking and driving. Yeah. Eyes are not on the road at this point. Hitchhikers. Roy is clearly clearly had not taken his wife's death well. Good God. Um I mean It it ends soon this after is, this. this is, uh, there's no use in fighting. You look so exciting. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah, where have you been hiding, girl? She hasn't even, uh, like, up until this point, she doesn't seem like she's got a whole lot of fight in her. Seems like she's very willing. She has her own agency. She's thumbing a ride. Is she running from 14 men? We don't know. But (laughs) there's no use in fighting. Where the fuck does that come from? There's, like, I'm, don't resist me. I, like, what is he, the fucking Borg? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It's, It's a... It's creepy. It makes me feel gross listening to it and even dissecting it. It does, but I I mean, part of me wants to just kind of give it to him, just like, these are just really simple lyrics. I don't think he's really uh, trying to build characters here. I think these are just kind of throwaway lyrics that he is just singing. It's just a song. I don't know. I don't want to look too deeply into these lyrics, but I have. And I don't like what I've heard here. And it, um, it, it is naturally weird to uh, listen to a Roy Orbison song where he's pursuing, or right. um, because because his his persona and most of his like greatest hits are about uh, him. He's the guy that things just happen to. Like he's he's been he's been wronged. He's forlorn. That's really interesting. So 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 automatically, I think I'm I'm I think it's weird just hearing like oh he's cruising on a Friday night like I don't know this Roy, I just know that you're the guy who people are shitty to, in ballad form. Right. But he's he's not even singing like the. It's like there's like a weird groove to this that I'm not used to either. The music is weird. The production is weird. It's is very like I mean this is 1979. It's really sterile. It's a very sterile production. Um, like Dave mentioned before, this is, like he's barely singing. Uh, you're not hearing that. Like he's not pushing his voice. He's not like getting that great crescendo. The song is just kind of flat the whole entire yeah, time. Yeah, there's through. no build. There's no build, and it, and it and it. The weird thing is that the the musicians that he's playing on are the guys that he's been with for. I yeah. think it's the guys that he's been with for the entire time. Yeah. Um, Aside from, like, Chris Ivey and his co-producer, who are, like, the Muscle yeah. Shoals people. This is this is clearly the the label trying to push uh, push Roy into a new fan base. Yeah, this is a rebrand. <clears throat> this is a rebrand. And trying to, he's trying to get a little in the, again, like, dancey sort of 
disco era, I guess, is going on yeah. there, but it's not because it's it's up it's uh, yeah it's much more upbeat. But I would say only the lonely is more danceable than this piece of garbage. Right, but only the lonely had happened a decade and change earlier than this. So yeah, um, but I I do know that uh, Roy is, you know, he had the big hits in the in the mid '60s, early mid '60s, and then he kind of fell flat for a long time after that. And I think he was really trying to stay relevant. Um, I don't know if he had any major top ten hits. I don't think he had a single in the '70s. '70s now. I don't think he did. I, I, I didn't know the bit about his wife, but I do know that he had very poor health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he went I, to Hawaii, he had went this to is Hawaii. he had a coronary, he had a heart problem, major surgery yeah. on his heart. Yeah, and, and coronary that happened in uh, January before this record was released. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe he was. So that's uh, why I couldn't. That maybe that's why he couldn't be as bombastic as. Maybe he, that's why he couldn't sing. Maybe he was. Strapped for cash, I don't know, um, but this was like a last ditched effort for uh, his label to maybe put you know get him relevant again. Um, it's just it's a sad end. Yeah, it's sad. Like it's so weird because like the black and white album had black and white night. Is yeah, 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 black yeah. and white night. Sorry, uh, that like kind of like cat like the, that and the traveling Wilburys like catapulted him and in Pretty the, Woman in the eighties. Yeah, the later eighties, mm-hmm. and he was like. Like he was a thing again, and he was like, and then and then and then unfortunately he died. It was the it was the, the end of his career was yeah. was his his last rebirth. Well, I mean, which I is good. Luckily, he got to good yeah, he got to witness it. Yeah, it's just sad um, that this is the last uh, piece of original material he ever right. produced. Right. Talk about the drama involved in, in our, our personal drama involved in this, yeah. uh, researching so, this this song. Yeah. So, I mean, in episode one, we asked you to watch the music video and, and listen to the song. But unfortunately for us and you, that it's almost, it's virtually impossible to find this song on the internet because I, although I've, I've enjoyed listening to it, um, on Spotify in years past, when Steve brought this idea to me, uh, I, I immediately knew what song I wanted to do, and it was this song, because it is truly so fucking bad, and I and it was on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, it had been scrubbed from Spotify. Uh, although yeah, you can't you can't find this album on Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple Music, Heart, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, but it was on YouTube. Okay. And it is not on YouTube anymore. It's not on YouTube anymore. <clears throat> As of like literally days of us recording this. Yes, days ago. Between between 10 days and 4 days ago, uh, multiple videos of this song have been have been wiped from the internet. Uh, I truly believe that the Orbison estate knows that this is the worst song. I think I've I think I hit a nerve. I found the worst song. Yeah. Cause, 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 no one was listening to this song. These Nobody like, was listening to this song. But like, all of a sudden, like, how many times do you listen to this song? I listened to it probably about four 
four to five times since you told me about this. <laughs> I listened to it, like, I listened to it at least ten times. I think, like, no one had listened to it, so and it nobody's on the radar. It. And you, do you think that maybe you and I have something to do with them? I mean, the Internet's crazy. The Internet's crazy. But I, do you think that we had something to do with them removing the song from the Internet? I do. I, do? Tru- I truly do. Because how fucking weird is it? The Roy Orbison official YouTube channel has full album playlists of songs so they can make money off the clicks. Like, yeah, monetize it. I get it. They have re- regeneration in full yeah. w- with ads, but they don't have Laminar Flow. Spotify, no Laminar Flow. Iron Radio, no Laminar Flow. It's Apple right. Music, no Laminar Flow. But the... And but the, you said something about the Wikipedia page as well, right? Yeah, the Wikipedia page does not mention Lamer Flow at all until it's in, like, the tiny footnotes of the, like, discography. So you can click the link, and the link that it has about Lamer Flow re- reveals almost nothing about it other than that it's his last posthumous release and that it is in the track listing and right. the personnel involved. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here. <laughs> I, I think... I think I need to reach out to the Orbison estate to 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 get it back up. Well, we're reaching out right now, and maybe they'll talk to us and let us know what what happened there. Um, maybe maybe we're just maybe we're being a little uh, a little paranoid here. It's eerie. It's um, eerie. It's very eerie. But uh, but talk to us. Let us know what happened there. Yeah, Roy Orbison and your your estate. Yeah, um, Roy Orbison Jr. I know you're out there. Yeah. and 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 you can get it, and you get a hold of us, Roy. Yeah, if you uh, the worst of the best podcast at gmail That's right, and uh, and anybody else out there, if you see laminar flow in the, the record bins, I would snatch it up. I don't know. Maybe this is a might be a rare record. It's 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 becoming rare. I know it's on Discogs for five dollars. Okay. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm Maybe actually. Maybe we can get that up to ten bucks. I'm one hundred percent going to buy it. Yeah, me too. Because I me have too. to at this point. I wonder if there's any forty fives off of that record. <laughs> I don't even. I don't think that record had a single. No, I don't think that record had a single. But yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a really a sad story, and and uh, it's it's like we mentioned. This is like a, a really. It's just, this is the label uh, pushing Roy Orbison in a new direction. Um, I don't. It, this was not drugs. This was not drugs. Were not involved here. Maybe medication. Maybe some medication was involved here. Maybe some heart medication. Yeah, which is sad. Um, we, you know, Roy did redeem himself at the end of his career. Sadly, he still died young. Uh, but uh, you know, our, our hats off to Roy. And uh, you know, maybe the Roy Orbison estate has it right. Like that's kind of our idea with this podcast. It's to just, erase it. Let's yeah. erase. The crap, and they've done that. They've done it. they've completely they've, they've scrubbed it, and I, and I guess I'm on board with it. E- email us, uh, you know, Roy or Roy Junior or anyone listening to this. Let us know how we did. Let us know if you think there's a worse one, worse Roy Orbison song. Maybe there's there there might be. I you know I'm gonna. This feels objectively the worst one though. <laughs> We're yeah. trying to be as objective as possible, it's and bad, like, but with, with the with the stuff around it, because there's still some songs on YouTube that haven't been scrubbed. Okay. Yeah. So go out there and do your own research. Let us know what you think. Maybe this isn't the worst Roy Orbison song, or maybe 
you love Friday night. Maybe that's like you said, like, you know, you were listening to the song with your, and your mom with her cassette tapes. Maybe this is one of those records that you played out. I'm sure there's somebody, maybe there's somebody out there. Let us know. Um, if anyone if anyone that works at RCA could get us the master of this. <laughs> I don't want the master. Actually, you no, know, this is on Asylum Records. By this time, he had left RCA. Left. Okay. This is, uh, so Ge- David Geffen, if you're listening... Uh, please send that to David Newshats. I'm not interested in that. But there's might be a few other things that I am interested, David, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but yes, if there's anything that you think that we missed in this episode, um, there you have it. Please email us at theworstofthebest at gmail.com. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.